Today on The Matt Wall Show, a horrifying documentary on HBO intends to promote the transing of children, but instead it accidentally shows why and how kids really end up gender confused. It's not surprising, but it is illuminating. We'll talk about that today. Also, five headlines, including the governor of uh, Maryland announcing that we don't have a constitutional right to not wear a mask. We will deal with that bizarre and alarming claim today. And uh, Emperor Cuomo has a message for any police officers who refuse to enforce his royal edicts, plus our five headlines and much more all in the way. But first, I want to tell you about um, our sponsor's Legacy Box. And this is a great thing to, to think about as we get into the holidays. It could be a perfect holiday gift, uh, just a way to preserve those old family memories. Um, you know, Legacy Box, is, it's a safe and affordable way to digitally preserve all of your home movies, photos that are currently trapped on dated formats like VHS or film. Uh, with everything going on, this is a great way to ensure the focus remains on your family this holiday season because that, that's what the holidays should still, no matter what we're told, that's what the holidays is still about, family. A Legacy Box can help you discover what's on all those tapes and films and then keep the footage organized and safe for years to come. You want to make sure you preserve it, you know, because technology has sort of moved on and moved past some of these older forms, but uh, all that stuff that's just wasting away in a box right now uh, why not update it, put it in a place where it's accessible and safe and you can have it forever. With Legacy Box, you can reclaim all the priceless footage you haven't been able, been able to see in years. The service couldn't be simpler. Use their kit to safely send the moments you want preserved. Their team will create a digital archive by hand, and then you'll receive your new copies stored on the cloud or a thumb drive or DVD, whatever you want, um, along with all the original media that you sent them. And it's very easy, very safe, very safe, I should say. I've been through this myself. And um, I mean, literally, you're just you're, you're putting everything in a box. You're sending it to them and telling telling them what you want them to do with it. And they do it and send it back. And it's it's something that I'm, if you don't do it um, and, you know, years down the line, that old box of, of pictures or tapes or whatever is decayed or it's, you know, water damage or something's happened to it. You're going to wish that you had done it. So this is the best deal of the year. You want to take advantage of it. They're offering 60 percent off. Uh, if you go to LegacyBox.com slash Walsh, take advantage of this limited time offer and get 60% off. 60%. This exclusive offer is not going to last long, so order their kit now and send it in whenever you're ready. It's a sale to remember. Go to, go to LegacyBox.com slash Walsh and save 60% while supplies last. Well, on Monday, a horrifying clip from a, a recently released HBO documentary went viral. In the scene, congregants at a Unitarian Universalist church are invited by the female pastor to, quote, proclaim their identity publicly as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, queer or questioning, intersex, pansexual, asexual, or any category I've left out, unquote. A mother then pulls her young son, four years old, it turns out, onto the stage to announce that he's really a girl. But the poor child has no interest in being paraded around like his mother's show pony, so he hands the microphone back saying that he doesn't want to do it. The mother takes it upon herself to come out on her son's behalf, informing the audience that her son, Phoenix, would, quote, like you to know that she's a girl and she prefers she and her pronouns. Completing this apparently familiar ritual, the pastor hands the child a pink flower as the congregation repeats its creepy affirmation in unison, uh, quote, may you be well, safe, and whole. We honor you exactly as you are. Of course, that's the exact opposite of what they're really doing. This isn't even the worst scene in HBO's Transhood documentary, which is now available on their streaming platform. 
The film follows four transgender children over the course of five years. It's clearly meant to promote and normalize the deranged sort of child abuse just described. But any rational person who subjects themselves to the film, which I did, but I wouldn't recommend it, will come away with a number of important insights that the filmmakers did not intend. Phoenix's case is, I think, especially instructive. Before the forced coming out party, we see the boy in a dress uh, in a different scene on a bed filled with lots of pink and rainbow colored things. And he's being read a book called Jacob's New Dress by his mother. Uh, here's that scene, if you can stomach it. Dimly slid into a shiny yellow dress while Jacob wiggled into a sparkly pink dress. What are you wearing? asked Mom. It's like a dress. I made it. Dad frowned. You can't go to school with that. Put on some shorts and a shirt under that dress thing, Mom said. And hurry, we're late for school. You're never late for school, are you? Let's get the sewing machine, she said finally. Jacob felt the air refill his body. He grinned. Mom smiled back. There are all sorts of ways to be a boy, she said. Right? Wait, I'm going to know. And also, and I'm also wearing girl clothes. You are wearing they are your clothes, so they are boy clothes. Dad looked up from his book. Yeah. Wow. Okay, those are girl clothes. They can be whatever you want. I am a girl boy. Next, in an interview, um, the mother, Molly, tells us that Phoenix is, quote, gender expansive, non-binary, gender non-conforming, gender awesome, under the trans umbrella, girl boy, and rainbow boy. All of those things. Before finally concluding that, quote, we don't really have a good term. Well, I have a really good term. It's called boy. Now, for his part, the father, Zach, mostly sits quietly, a common theme in the film, which we'll return to in a moment. But... He agrees that his son's gender is somehow, quote, up in the air right now. Eventually, Phoenix, who never at any point shows any strong desire to be a girl and appears to be mostly confused and bored with the whole thing, is nonetheless socially transitioned into one. But the years pass and Phoenix continues in the nasty habit of being a boy, despite his parents insisting otherwise. Eventually, they get divorced, another common theme. And decide that, never mind, actually their son is a boy after all, it turns out. But the good news is that Molly feels better at the end because she's worked through her issues and is starting a new leaf. Where we are not exactly told how her son really feels about having his gender switch back and forth. While his home life is ripped in two and his parents give up on their marriage, his feelings and well-being appear to be more of an afterthought amid his mother's psychodrama. Shades of uh, the Phoenix story can be easily detected in the other three trans kid profiles. There's Jay, age 12, when filming begins. Uh, she's a girl making the, quote, transition into a boy. Her father doesn't appear to be in the picture at all. I don't think we see him at all. But her mother, Bryce, is a lesbian who eventually meets and marries a defensive lineman from the local women's football league. We're first introduced to Jay when she's being given her first hormone blocker injection. Uh, before the onset of puberty. Later, she goes into surgery to have a blocker implanted in her body. Bryce, the mother, seems unsure, even at times distraught by all this, but she goes along with it and funds it and facilitates it every step of the way. Similar dynamic with Lena, 15 years old at the beginning of the film, uh, also just beginning the medical transition, in this case from boy to girl. We meet Lena and his divorced father, Mike, as the two are out bikini shopping for the young man. 
We learned that Mike had his hesitations about the transgender thing when Lena first announced his gender confusion around the time of the parents' divorce nine years prior. There's that theme again, but has since learned to accept it. And now his sons, or his quote-unquote daughters, ambition is to become a Victoria's Secret model. And Mike, along with his ex-wife, accompany Lena to his first modeling tryout. By the end of the film, Lena has decided to take it all the way, um, going under the surgeon's knife. The surgeon is also transgender to make his physical transition permanent and basically irreversible. The most disturbing story of all is that of seven-year-old Avery. He's a boy who, according to his parents, is really deep down a girl. Avery's mother, Debbie, traipses the child all around the country, doing media interviews, attending marches, rallies, etc. The cameras catch the moments when Debbie informs Avery that he'll be, quote, writing a trans-affirming children's book and then going on a book tour against his will. He doesn't want to do it. And also when Debbie tells Avery that a National Geographic photographer will be arriving shortly to take pictures for the magazine's upcoming cover story on gender. Avery is visibly and audibly unhappy with all of this, all throughout the entire uh, film. He objects to all of his mother's schemes. And at one point late in the film, upon hearing that he'll be forced to attend yet another LGBT rally in D.C., says that his life is ruined and voices a level of exhaustion and weariness that no child should ever experience. Let me play that scene for you now. We're going to Washington, D.C. We're going to And we're going to be moving to the White House facential area to throw a book at Donald Trump's face. I don't think that we want to say that, no. This one is Time to Thrive, and it's for people who work with LGBTQ youth. We actually go and meet with our senators and representatives. After we do that, we go and sit and sell some of Avery's books for a little while. Avery. Manners. I just don't want to even have a book. I've done too much in this world. It's ruined my life enough, and now everyone in this world is going to know. If I sell my book, it's going to get on the news for like, with, along with me for like the 50th time at this point. And it's just going to make my life worse. A couple years ago, you wanted people to know. Yeah, I, now... I did, but now that was really stupid, silly mistake, and now I don't. Something. Mm-hmm. Avery doesn't seem too invested in this female persona, minus the long neon-colored hair and the overcompensating rainbow outfits that his mother puts him in. He comes across like a relatively normal young boy. Debbie, noticing this with some level of alarm, decides that Avery is just a quote tomboy trans girl. Yes, that would be a boy who is a girl who acts like a boy. As for Avery's father and his view of everything, it's never made entirely clear. Like the other fathers in the film, he's basically a useless lump of nothingness floating along with the tide while his wife psychologically and physically destroys his son in order to satisfy her own unquenchable narcissism. These men are literally watching their sons be turned into girls. And that's one of the ingredients that is always present whenever a young boy is forced to sacrifice his masculinity in this way. They always have fathers who have already willingly sacrificed their own. That is a necessary ingredient. And that is one of the important lessons the film doesn't want to teach us, but does anyway. There is no mystery to the transness of Avery, Phoenix, Lena, or Jay, or any trans child. In Avery's case, his mother 
has, it would seem, very clearly imposed a trans identity onto him. Munchausen syndrome by proxy is a known mental illness where a parent, usually a mother, pretends that their child is sick or sometimes even causes the child to be sick in order to gain sympathy and attention for themselves from the public. If the psychiatric industry was at all honest and trustworthy, Debbie would be diagnosed with this disorder and her children removed from her care for their own safety. As it happens, though, and as the film clearly portrays, doctors and therapists are much more likely to feed into this kind of mania than to diagnose and treat it. That's the other piece of the puzzle that removes any mystery from the trans epidemic among children. The entire medical field, with very rare exception, has bought into this radical left-wing gender theory. A gender-confused child with a parent like Debbie stands no chance. He will find no help, no protection from his pediatricians or his therapists or his school. They're just going to send him off to be drugged, mutilated, and further abused. But not all trans kids have parents like Debbie. Um, the other kids in transhood seem to have mothers and fathers who are perhaps less exploitative than they are confused, incompetent, and self-absorbed. All throughout the documentary, we constantly see the parents turning to their kids and asking them for direction, relying on their children to take the lead, asking them, what do you want to do? How are you feeling? How do you identify? You tell us, putting it all on them, on their shoulders— the burden of leadership, placing it on their five-year-old son's shoulders. Phoenix's dad gives the closest thing we hear to a fatherly lecture in the whole, uh, the whole film, telling his son-turned-daughter-turned-son that it's okay that he was a girl before, and it's okay that he's a boy now, and it's okay if he's a girl later. And really, it's all up to him. Well, gee, thanks for the advice, Pop. Very clarifying. Like any other child, Phoenix desperately needs direction and leadership and clarity. What he gets instead, instead are shrugging shoulders and his pathetic henpecked father's refusal to offer any guidance of any kind whatsoever. So it's up to Phoenix to figure out who he is, what reality is, what anything is. His parents will provide nothing to the child except food, a bed, a roof, and a bunch of pretty dresses should he decide he wants to wear them. Other than that, the boy's on his own. And that's how you end up with transgender children. Of course, the documentary wants us to learn a different lesson. In the epilogue before the credits roll, the last thing we're told is that Lena, um, right after waking up from his, as they call it in Orwellian speak, gender affirmation surgery, supposedly turned to his mother and whispered, I'm free. Now, I doubt whether he said that at all, but if he did, it was yet another expression of the tragic confusion that has plagued this kid since early childhood. He is not free now that he has rejected himself and his own biological nature in a way that can never really be undone. But that is another lesson he'll have to learn on his own, with no help from his parents. And the sad thing is that when he does, like so many other kids, it'll be too late. Now let's get to our five headlines. Before we get to our five headlines... You know, it's, it's, it's really important, especially these days with all the volatility and uncertainty out there, to hedge your investments with some gold. And, you know, you hear a lot about that, of course, but the problem is it's expensive to just go out and buy gold. And I know maybe if you're like me and you hear this, oh, well, you, you know, buy gold, and you think, well, okay, it sounds, it sounds nice, but, uh, but that's expensive. Well, Acre, they're, they're going to solve this problem for you. This is something new. You know uh, the, the price of gold is skyrocketing lately, but... Uh, 
Acre is going to help you buy gold. And here's how it works. They let you subscribe to gold bars for as little as 30 bucks a month. You pay each month. And once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. Uh, this lets you invest in physical gold while, you know, without coming out of pocket all at once. A lot of people, especially around the holidays and everything, and especially with everything that's been, that's been happening all year, uh, a lot of people don't have the money for that. So you could do it this way. Acre keeps you updated on your gold stash every month, and it ships you uh, the gold once you reach the price threshold. With Acre, taking physical delivery of your gold means it's safe and, and it's going to be soundly in your hands in no time. Um, Acre designs their gold in California, sources their gold from one of the largest mints in Switzerland. Acre provides industry-first packaging that looks and feels more expensive than others. And also, um, keep in mind, Acre just recently introduced their new $100 per month subscription for their 5-gram gold bar. You want to take advantage of this. Visit getacregold.com slash Walsh and start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL also because Acre is giving away a gold bar. To qualify for the giveaway, tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. Uh, again, that's getacregold.com slash Walsh. And thank you for Acre Gold, to Acre Gold for supporting the show. Okay, uh, number one, yesterday, the governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, articulated his argument uh, against people who don't wear their masks like good boys and girls are supposed to. And his argument is, it's, it's something, it really is. L listen to this. Well, it's, it's sort of like saying, I have a constitutional right uh, to drive drunk. I have a constitutional right to not wear a seatbelt or to yell fire in a crowded movie theater uh, or to not follow the speed limit. Uh, it, it's, you know, we're talking about a quarter of a million people dying already, you know, more than, you know, the, the, the Korean War, the Gulf War and the Vietnam War added together. Uh, which part don't you understand? You wear the mask. It's, there's no constitutional right to walk around without a mask. This is we did it in, in, in uh, 1918. I don't know why we can't do it now. OK, so a couple of things here. First of all, he's doing that dumb thing where he compares war deaths to disease deaths. And that is always dishonest and misleading, as it's, as it's supposed to be. Uh, you could do that to make any number sound scarier, right? You could say the flu kills 10 times more people in the year than did the Revolutionary War. I mean, you, you could phrase it that way if you want to, if you're trying to make it sound scarier and mislead. Um, second, comparing not wearing a mask to driving drunk is completely hysterical and ridiculous. What would just, just, just. Try to factor this. What are the chances that you, while driving drunk, would hurt or kill someone, including yourself? Probably pretty high, right? I don't know what the, the someone could probably look it up. What are the statistical chances? You get behind the wheel, you're drunk. What's the percentage chance that you're not going to make it home without hurting or killing someone? Pr pretty high. And that's why you shouldn't drive drunk. Um, okay, now, what are the chances that you, while not showing any symptoms will hurt or kill someone because you didn't wear a mask? What are the percentage chances? If you think it's anything close to the chance with drunk driving, you're a lunatic. I mean, it's not even in the same statistical ballpark, not the same city, not the same planets. So these are, these are just not comparable at all. Um, and if, if, you know, once again, if this is what we're doing, and this is the attitude we're going to have, then, um, then we're going to be wearing masks forever. You know, if not wearing a mask is really akin to driving drunk, 
then we're going to be wearing masks forever. It never ends. There's no limiting principle. Third, though, um, he, he, he says we don't have the constitutional right to not wear a mask. Okay, no. No, Governor. Let, let me just explain how the Constitution works because you're, you know, apparently as, as, you don't need to know that in order to become a governor. Um, that, that's, that's, that's not it. The Constitution is not a comprehensive list of rights that we have. So it's not like, oh, well, it doesn't list it in the Constitution, therefore you don't have the right to do it. Because if that's the case, then we, we have very few rights. No, the, the Constitution is a comprehensive list of the powers and authorities that the government has. So it's the other way around. If it's not in the Constitution, then you as the government don't have the authority to do it. So the question isn't, um, do we have the constitutional right to not wear a mask? It's, does the government have the constitutional authority to force you to wear a mask? And if you say that it does, then I could say, where is it in the Constitution? I don't see it in there. We have, um, the, the government is supposed to have all of the th powers and authorities outlined in the Constitution. And if it's not in there, then they don't have the power or the authority. This idea that, what, what so, so, it's, it's, so it's not even just that the Constitution is supposed, according to Hogan, the Constitution is supposed to list all the rights that we have, but even in the negative. If it doesn't say you, you, that you don't have the right to not do something, then you have to do it? What? It's uh, totally, totally incomprehensible, incoherent. Uh, number two, Biden has apparently picked John Kerry to be his climate czar. Um, yes, John Kerry will be the czar of the climate. And, you know, this is good for John Kerry. And, you know, good, good, good to have him back. He is such an aggressively unimpressive nothing of a man, just an absolute waste of space. He has accomplished nothing, done nothing. What has John Kerry done in his whole career of note? Yet he hangs around and just keeps getting appointed to stuff when Democrats are in charge. This, this is the definition of the swamp. And it is far from drained, by the way. Um, it, this is kind of how it is. You know that that guy at every office or workplace who is just mediocre and bad at his job, yet somehow hangs around forever and never gets fired. Uh, I'm actually not sure who that guy is here at these offices, uh, which means it's probably me. That's the thing. If, if you're looking around, every office has that guy. And if you, if you can't identify that guy when you look around at work, it's you. You're the guy. Um, so maybe it's me here. But I know, you know the worst example that I've ever encountered was at a, a pizza place where that I worked as a teenager we had an assistant manager who, I'm not kidding, would sleep on the job. He would go back into the office. Uh, and he, I don't even know why you need an office at a pizza place, but he had a little office back there. And during rush, during, during like Friday night pizza rush for everyone's pizza Fridays, he would be sleeping in the back. And I st I'm still salty about it. I still haven't gotten over it 17 years later. But somehow he kept his job. Never got fired. No matter what. He just hung around. And... The point is, D.C. is populated almost exclusively with these kinds of people. All of D.C., just nothing but the guy who's bad at his job but never gets fired. It's just nothing but my pizza place assistant manager sleeping in the back. That's all it is. John Kerry, the perfect example of that. And now he gets to be the climate czar, which is nice. 
Yeah. I was kind of hoping to be the czar of the climate, though, but um, I can still hold out to be appointed Lord of the Sun. I I'm still hoping for that position. He's czar of the climate. I can be Lord of the Sun. Uh, someone else, you know, that's, so there's still a position, uh, you know, uh, king of the seven seas. That's sort of my backup, my position, my safety school, if you will. All right, number three, reading from the uh, Daily Wire, the administration of Democratic Governor Tom Wolf announced Monday that alcohol will be barred from being sold at restaurants and bars in Pennsylvania from Wednesday evening until Thanksgiving morning. An apparent edict intended to slow the spread of the China-originated novel virus. Um, according to, this is a, the, the Dr. Rachel L. Levine, the Secretary of Health for the Commonwealth, on Wednesday, November 25th, restaurants and bars are ordered to suspend alcohol sales at 5 p.m. until 8 a.m. on Thursday, November 26th. And then I'm, I'm looking through here. Yeah, there's no reason given for this. They never explain how this is going to make anyone safer. Just suspending alcohol sales for a few hours the night before Thanksgiving. Another completely arbitrary, pointless thing. Uh, but there's a pandemic, which means the government apparently could do whatever it wants and come up with any rules it wants without giving any reasons for them. Number four, Governor Cuomo yesterday had a, a, a message for any police officers who refused to enforce his royal edicts. And here is that message. Listen. I believe that law enforcement officer violates his or her constitutional duty. I don't consider them a law enforcement officer because you don't have the right to pick laws that you think you will enforce and you don't enforce laws that you don't agree with, right? That's not a law enforcement officer. Uh, that's a dictator. Okay, a couple of issues here. First, law enforcement officers have a moral duty and a constitutional duty, a moral and constitutional duty. Uh, and they may determine that, for example, arresting people for having 11 family members over for Thanksgiving violates both their moral duty and the constitutional duty. And I would agree with them that it does. Refusing to enforce a, quote, law in that case is what a legitimate law enforcement officer would do. They aren't supposed to be drones or robots. If a law is invalid, if it's unconstitutional, if it's oppressive, if it's tyrannical, they should refuse to enforce it. Also, speaking of refusing to enforce laws, where was Cuomo on the rioting and looting? Okay, those, those, are, those are good. The laws against rioting and looting, those are good laws. Those are laws you, you, you need in order to have a functioning society. And those laws weren't being enforced. I don't remember Governor Cuomo... Speaking out about that. Number five, finally, this uh, again from the Daily Wire. Another big controversy. This surrounding uh, the issue of racist lip balm. So if you're keeping a, a list at home of all the things that are racist, uh, your chapstick is now also racist, just so you know. Personal care company Burt's Bees has apologized over an allegedly offensive ad featuring a black family wearing the business's pajamas. Oh, they sell pajamas too. Okay. Not just. So your pajamas are also racist. Your pajamas and your chapstick, just so you know. Outrage erupted online when an ad appeared to feature four families. All the families in the ad included a mother, father, and children, except the black family, where there was a mother with her two children. People were upset that the ad was apparently enforcing harmful stereotypes about black people. Um, now, why did this happen? 
Bert Spies, of course, issued a groveling apology. We're so, so sorry for this. We're sorry that you were offended by the ad for Chapstick. I don't even know. Now, this is, uh, where did they see? This was, this was, I don't know if Bert Spies tweeted the ad or what. But my question is, where, how are you even looking at a Chapstick ad for long enough to notice anything supposedly offensive about it? But they issued the, uh, the, 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 uh, the groveling apology. They said, we are so deeply sorry. We have learned a lot this year about impact and intent. Our intent was never to promote an awful stereotype about black families or to inflict harm on anyone. We understand that even so, there is an impact. And this image causes harm. Really? In what way? Who, it, 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 hum me a few bars there. I want, I want to understand. In what way is someone harmed by the chapstick advertisement? Or, I'm sorry, the pajama advertisement from the chapstick company? I, I want to know exactly. Okay, so there's a, there's a process here. Step one, Burt's Bees puts out a pajama advertisement. Step three, people are harmed. What happens in step two? How do we, what's the, what, what, how does this translate into actual harm to, to real living human beings? That's never explained either. Um, and uh, they explained though, they said that uh, what happened was they invited a bunch of families to come and, and take pictures in their pajamas and um, everyone showed up. But, uh, it, it, but in this case, the father of the black family had to work and uh, he didn't want to take off work to go shoot to do a photo shoot for Burt's Bees in his pajamas. I don't blame him. You know, I mean, if my wife came to me and said, oh, you know, we got invited to put our pajamas on and take a photo shoot for a chapstick company, I would probably also say, oh, wh- when is that? Oh, is it, I got to work. Oh, it's Saturday at 5 a.m.? I still, I got to work. I, I have a thing. I forgot to tell you. So there's a thing I have to do. So the father couldn't make it for whatever reason, legitimate or not. And, um, and that's why they just decided to shoot it anyway. Perfectly valid excuse and reason, but yet they still apologized. See, that's Birchby says. Well, we we learn about impact and intent. No, if you don't have the intent, if if what you do is completely innocuous and innocent, and you have zero intent to cause any offense at all, which of course you have zero intent. You're putting an ad an ad for pajamas. The the idea that you intended to make some sort of statement about black families is ridiculous. So you have zero intent to to cause any offense. What you did was completely innocuous. That means there should be zero apology. Anyone who's offended, it is their problem. Not yours. You didn't do anything wrong. They misinterpreted it. That's their problem. But of course, that's not the message we're going to get from Bert's Peace. Before we get to our daily cancellation, you know, it's, it's, it is our responsibility. And this is something we, we talk about a lot on this show and something that we're all, we're all worried about. Um, it's our responsibility as Americans to preserve this country and uh, our culture. And we know all the many threats, cultural threats especially, that are trying to undermine what America is. Um, now, if you want to help preserve America while we still can, join AMAC. That's the Association of Mature American Citizens. It's the fastest growing conservative group in America. I can't recommend it enough. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a great bi-monthly magazine. But more importantly, AMAC fights for you. Um, Look, we know that a socialist storm is brewing. We know it could be coming up in the years ahead. If you care about our future like I do, then join AMAC today. Over 2 million conservatives like you and me have already joined AMAC. Um, You can stand with us by joining right now. Just go to AMAC.com. 
dot us forward slash Walsh. That's a m a c dot us forward slash Walsh. Um, the benefits of AMAC memberships are great, but of course the cause is even greater. Join today at amac.us forward slash Walsh. One other thing to mention before we get to the daily cancellation, Thanksgiving is almost here. And um, as, as we've been hearing about, and you know, we, we are going to be celebrating Thanksgiving, but also Black Friday is here too. You got to celebrate Thanksgiving in order to earn Black Friday. Uh, since last year's Black Friday deal, we've been consistently adding more features and products to our membership program. We're really excited about all the stuff we got coming up for the Daily Wire. To name just a few things, we've added more exclusive Reader's Pass content. Um, our insider and above members can now stream our content on Apple TV and Roku, which is exciting because of all the new content we're adding. Um, like the Michael Knoll Show will be going to five days a week starting on Friday, uh, December 4th. Your account also comes with custom badges that you can earn by participating in Daily Wire events. If you're an all-access member, you also get to join our all-access live discussions. Those are the daily live streams we do with, um, with one of the hosts where we talk to, directly to you in the audience. And we have sort of back and forth. It's a lot of fun. You also get two Leftist Tears tumblers, early access to our Daily Wire merch, and many other things. We're also continuing to add new features and products like the entire PragerU library, which is currently being added to the website, will be available very soon. Content from Candace Owens, who will be launching a new show with us early next year. Many other things. So needless to say, we're excited about this year's deal for Black Friday, and uh, you don't want to miss it. All right, um, let's get to our daily cancellation. Today for our daily cancellation, we're going to be canceling whatever the hell this is. Watch. Okay, actually, I do sort of know what the hell that is. That's a performance at the American Music Awards this weekend. The performer there is named Megan the Stallion. Two E's. So I guess it is the. Megan the Stallion. And she's performing her new hit, which, if you couldn't tell, is called Body. Now, Miss Stallion is getting canceled this afternoon for two reasons primarily. The first is that this was a music awards show, live, in person, with musical performances and everything, in California, in the middle of a pandemic that's supposedly so severe and contagious that we're meant to cancel our Thanksgivings because of it. So we can't see our grandmothers over the holidays, but a bunch of rich, brainless drug addicts in the music industry can still get together to pat each other on the back for producing ugly, semi-coherent tripe and pouring the sludge directly into the minds of our impressionable children. That's, that's how this is supposed to go. Now, you may tell me that they did it safely, and they took precautions, and it was fine. Well, I don't doubt it. Okay, don't get me wrong. Just like I don't doubt that going to Walmart with 10,000 other shoppers the day after Thanksgiving, as so many people will be doing, is probably fine and safe. But if all of that can be done safely, then so can all the other things that the government has banned or strongly discouraged. If there's a way for Megan the Stallion to get on stage with a bunch of dancers and shake her butt while screaming random obscenities without getting infected or infecting anybody else— that I'm thinking there's probably a way for you to have a turkey dinner without getting infected or infecting anybody else. Though perhaps your turkey dinner will have just as many obscenities. I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't involve as much butt shaking. Also, if the risk involved in hosting the AMAs, however severe or mild that risk may be, is worth it in order so that a bunch of pop stars can tell each other how talented they are, then I'd say Thanksgiving is worth it so that you can be with your families. And that's part of the reason why the AMAs and Megan Thee Stallion are canceled. The other part is, of course, simply that, and I, and I have to just mention this, that um, the song is really extremely 
fantastically bad and stupid. Uh, it sounds very much like something a character would listen to in the movie Idiocracy. That song and songs like it are a dog whistle to morons. Only those with room temperature IQs can hear whatever is supposed to be appealing about it. Now, I understand that it's, you know, trite to complain about bad pop music, but we must reach our limits eventually at some point. And we must, as a society, say, this has gotten stupid enough and make that our cutoff. Eventually, right? We have to just say, okay, all right, enough. If this isn't the cutoff, then what is? I mean, listen to these lyrics. Here are the lyrics. Adi, 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 adi. If Shakespeare came back from the dead and found out that this is what passes for poetry in modern society, he would throw himself in front of a bus. The only thing I wonder when I read lyrics like this is whether the, quote, artist actually wrote them down ahead of time. Like, I, I wonder if, and I, and I always do wonder this, does she have, you know, writing sessions where she thinks long and hard and goes, ah, yes, I have it, inspiration, this is it, and then starts writing, body, adi, adi, hmm, adi, 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 oh, body, adi, 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 is that how it works? Actually, I like to imagine that she writes it in calligraphy with ink and a quill pen. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou hast the finest body, adi, adi, body, adi, body, adi. The point is that the music is very dumb, even by the standards of dumb pop music, and I simply won't allow for stuff like this to be popular. I won't tolerate it. I won't permit it. You aren't allowed to like this. You can't. If you do, you are canceled. And Megan Thee Stallion is canceled. And the AMAs are also canceled, as they should have been from the beginning. Because these are all the same people who lecture us and do the PSAs telling us how dangerous the pandemic is. So, they're all canceled. All right. That's it for us today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.